Welcome to this message from Alpha and Omega Christian Fellowship. Our vision is to extend and establish the influence of the kingdom of God by equipping the saints for the work of ministry. We hope that you will be blessed and encouraged by what we have to share. Those of you who have been with us for the last couple of Sundays, you are aware that we are going through a series of teachings entitled Greatness Through Process. Greatness Through Process. Our foundational scripture is taken from Luke's Gospel, chapter 1, verse 13 through to 17, as well as verse 80, and we read, But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your prayer is heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. He will also be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb, and he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. He will also go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just and to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Verse 80, And so the child grew and became strong in spirit, and was in the deserts till the day of his manifestation to Israel. Now, in the last two Sundays, we've talked about the definition of greatness in God's view. God sees greatness very differently from the world. And we've also spoke about the substance or the essence of greatness. Last Sunday, we talked about the process that God takes us through in order to bring greatness out of us. It's important to note that God has placed greatness in each and every one of His children. The potential to become great in the eyes of the Lord is for all of us. But in order for that greatness to be released and manifested to the world, God takes us through a process in order to mature us or in order to make us more Christ-like, if you like. Our destination is Christ-likeness. So all and everything that takes place in your life has one purpose from God's point of view. That is to make you more like Jesus Christ. More humble, more patient, more loving, more tolerant, more forgiving, more merciful, and more gracious. Amen? That's our destination, to be conformed to the image of His Son. And now, we didn't quite finish this part of process, so we're going to continue the process part two this morning. Now, 
We've looked at examples from the life of Joseph, from the life of Moses, from the life of the children of Israel, how God led them through the wilderness and through the deserts in order to humble them, in order to teach them that man cannot live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. We saw that Joseph, when he received the dream from God twice, he was only 17 years of age. And I pray that more of our young people would receive the call of God or the dream that God has for them at a very early age. What a blessing to know at 17 years of age that you're destined for great things in the eyes of the Lord. Amen? It inspires you. It motivates you. It galvanizes your faith and you look forward because you have received a vision or a dream from God of what exactly He has given you birth for, what He has purposed you for. And so Joseph, at 17 years of age, he knew what he was called to do, that one day he would become great in the eyes of the Lord, he would receive great influence and great authority. From the time that he received the dream until the time that he stepped into the fulfillment of the dream, 13 years had passed. He was 30 years of age when he came out of prison and arose to the throne of Egypt. What happened in those 13 years? The Word of God says, until the time that his word came to pass, or the dreams came to pass, the word of the Lord tested him. It's important to note that it was God who tested Joseph. The devil tempts you to destroy you, but God tests you in order to strengthen you. Amen? So we see, or you could say it this way, the word of the Lord disciplined or chastised him. We spoke about chastisement last Sunday. It is important to note and understand that the process God takes you through is unique to you. You cannot compare yourself with anybody else. Amen? Because you are uniquely created and you have a unique mandate or a unique call from God and according to that call, he takes you through a unique process. It's important to note that. No one of us is like another. What God took me through in my journey and continues to do so might be different and is different from your journey of faith. And we need to understand that, that when you go through the process of training, of discipline, of preparation the danger or the temptation is to become discouraged, to grow weary in your mind. As they say in the world, to throw in the towel. I've had enough of this. I can't take this anymore. I'm getting out of it. And walk away from God and walk away from the discipline that God puts you through. And many have done that. That is where you get vagabonds and orphans. 
Because they refused the discipline of the Lord. Hebrews chapter 12 says, if you are without discipline or training or chastising, then you are not a legitimate son or a daughter. You are illegitimate. And we have many illegitimate children in the church today. They serve God, but they serve Him on their own terms. Not according to God's terms. Now, it is important to exercise faith and patience while you are going through your process of becoming the kind of person that God has called you to be. Authentic, real, genuine, authorized in your sphere of influence. Hebrews 12, 3 says, Just think of Jesus who endured from sinners such grievous opposition and bitter hostility against himself, reckon up and consider it all in comparison to your trials, that's the Amplified Translation, so that you may not grow weary or exhausted, losing heart, and relaxing and fainting in your minds. The Amplified Translation puts it so beautifully. It says, consider the Lord. Another verse says, looking unto Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of our faith. And as I was preparing this message, in the Spirit, I saw so many in the body of Christ today, discouraged. they worn out. they physically, mentally, and spiritually exhausted. Many of them, not a few. They're tired of standing in faith. Tired of waiting for the breakthrough. And it's not coming. I prayed for them. I stopped because I felt that weariness, that discourage. I picked it up in the spirit that many of us in the body are discouraged today. That's why the word of the Lord says that we are to encourage one another and strengthen one another daily, not neglecting the assembling of ourselves together but exhorting, encouraging one another as we see the day approaching. All of us need encouragement, folks. I pray the Lord will raise up more encouragers in the body of Christ. We have enough of those that point fingers. We need encouragers. We need people who are, who are merciful and gracious and run alongside those people to encourage them with the word of the Lord, to minister to them in a way that they need, so that they can be strengthened. As the Word of God says, lift up the hands which hang down and the feeble knees that are shaking. So I stopped right there and then and began to pray for them in the Spirit. I prayed for endurance, so that they may stay strong in the hour of testing. You may not be going through today, but believe me, there will come a time when you will go through tests and trials. And some of them could be so severe 
that you may say to yourself, I cannot take this anymore. I cannot stand anymore. That is why we should not isolate ourselves from the rest of the body. We need the body. We need the encouragement that the body provides. We need the fellowship. We need the relationships that God gives us. There are times when God will encourage and strengthen you direct through His Spirit, through His Word. But there are other times when He wants to encourage you through another member of the body of Christ. That's why relationships are important in the body of Christ. We should cultivate them. We should nurture them. We should invest into them because there will come a time when you're going to need those relationships. You cannot do it on your own. We're not meant to live the Christian life in isolation. We need to open up ourselves. We need to become more vulnerable, more humble. I know of people that are struggling today, but they're not open, they're not vulnerable, they're not humble enough. Pride is the worst enemy of our faith. We think we can do it on our own. We think we are capable and able. And Paul had to learn that the hard way. And there are many who are struggling with unanswered prayers. Others are tired of the constant pressure and opposition they face, while others are struggling with sickness and pain in their bodies. What happened to the Scripture that says when one member suffers, all suffer? When one rejoices, all rejoice. And let us stop right now. And I want you to stand with me to pray for all those who are going through this ongoing battle against all of these things and ask God in the name of the Lord Jesus to strengthen them in the inner man according to the word in Ephesians 3. Can you put that up please, Siobhan? Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 through to 21. Let's stand and pray. I'm going to pray, and I want you to agree with me. Father, we lift up all those that are weary, all those that are tired this morning, all those within the body of Christ that are emotionally, spiritually, mentally, and physically exhausted. And we bow our knees to you, Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that you would grant them according to the riches of your glory to be strengthened with might through your Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in the hearts through faith, that they being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height and to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that they may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus, to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. I have been there and I know what it's like. And I've been there several times. But one particular incident that stands out
as I was preparing this message, comes to mind after years of struggling to establish this fellowship, dealing with the most stubborn and rebellious people, I came to the end of myself one day. And on the 30th of June, 1995, most of you were not here. I closed down the fellowship, despite my wife's disagreement. We were meeting in Goodwood Primary School Hall. I'll never forget that day. I recall one Sunday morning in my prayer, turned into loud cries and tears telling the Lord that I would, could not go on anymore. Talking about pressure. You know, I've been in business and I've been in ministry, but the pressures you face in ministry, very few people know or understand. It seems like all demons are arrayed against you, oppose you, stop you, persecute you, to stop you from doing the will of God in your life. We joined another church for a season with my family and a handful of faithful people who, despite my decision to close down the church, they refused to leave us. They remained with us. Thank God for those faithful people. Well, the Lord, to cut a long story short, had other plans. And even though I gave up on me and on my dream, the Lord didn't give up on me. And through a miraculous event, a couple of interventions from God that I least expected, He turned my heart around and He called me back in order to continue the work that I was doing. That's when this whole building came into existence and a few people got born again and we began again. Let me say this, the test facing us at times may be so severe and beyond our limits to endure. Whether you are in a financial crisis, in a marriage crisis, in a ministry crisis, the test and the pressures may come to a point where it's beyond your ability to endure them. But God promises that's one of the promises that I found great comfort and strength. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13 says, but God is faithful. I thank God for those words. Folks, when you're going through such tests, you need to make the Word of God your closest friend. The Word becomes alive. But God is faithful, who will not allow you or suffer you to be tempted above and beyond your ability to bear, but with the test and with the trial, He will also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Isn't God wonderful? Isn't He faithful? Amen? And so, He knows our breaking point, and He will not tempt us beyond that. And we need to believe this. The pressures we experience and the trials we face have one goal in mind from God's point of view. And that is to bring us to the end of our self and our self-reliance and self-confidence. They are not designed to break us. They are designed, though, to humble us. 
God creates beautiful environments for us to be able to humble ourselves, to make it easy for us to humble ourselves before God. Why? Because our greatest enemy is pride. And the essence of pride is self-reliance and self-confidence. It is trusting in yourself and in your ability or in other men rather than trusting in God. And Jeremiah says in Jeremiah 17 verse 5 and 6, Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart departs from the Lord. What happens when you trust in yourself or in other men? What happens to your heart? The Bible says it departs from the Lord because you make idols out of your own opinions, out of your own strength, out of other people's words or promises. And people will always let you down, but God will never let you down. Amen? Amen. And some people are meant to be in your life only for a season. They're not meant to be with you the whole of the journey. When, and when it comes time to let them go, you need to let them go. Someone said, it's like a rocket. When the rocket enters into the, the space at a certain um, height, the, the booster, what do you call those things? It falls off. No need for it anymore. And that's how our journey is. God, I have seen God bring people into my life and then remove them from my life over and over and over again. But at that point of time, I needed them the most. They brought encouragement. They brought strength. They brought financial resources. And after they've done the job, they're gone. It would have been nice if they stayed. I wanted them to stay. But you know what? When you climb a certain height, others cannot climb that height. They cannot walk with you because the paths are different. So we need to remain, <laughs> we need to remain free and loose and forgive and, and be gracious. And, and when it's time to say goodbye, you bless them. Let them go. Amen. When you need them, God will bring again those that you need the most. Are you with me? Don't know why I said that, but somebody needs to hear it. Maybe me. <laughs> God has a way of divorcing us from our self-confidence and helping us face our weaknesses and our limitations. And Paul, the Apostle Paul, learned this the hard way. And I'm going to briefly read you the, the, the testimony of Paul the Apostle. It's found in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, beginning with verse 7. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Listen to what he says, because many people misinterpret these verses of Scripture. So to keep me from becoming proud, I was given a thorn in the flesh. He didn't say God gave me a thorn. He said I was given a thorn in the flesh. And then he tells us what that thorn is. A messenger from Satan to torment me or to buffet me and keep me from becoming proud. Three different times I begged the Lord to take it away. And each time 
He said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in your weakness. So now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. That is why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults, hardships, persecutions, and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. What a contradiction. When I am weak in the flesh, when I come to the realization of my own limitations and weakness, then I enter into Christ's strength. Do you see that? So, what is the purpose of those trials and the tests that he endured? God was telling him, Paul, stop focusing on the test and on the thorn. Focus on my grace. Rely more and more on my grace because my grace is sufficient for you. And finally, he learned his lesson. And he relied on the grace so that he could overcome whatever the devil was sending across his path. You see, Paul wanted the thorn removed. And he prayed to God three times. Isn't this what we do? Lord, <laughs> take this thing away from me. The thing that hurts you the most. And God is saying, no, climb higher. I'm not going to remove it but I've given you enough grace to overcome it. And we pray, Lord, I can't take this anymore. It's too painful. It's too stressful. Please, Lord, deliver me from it. God says, my grace is sufficient for you. Learn to rely on my grace. Proud people don't rely on God's grace. They rely on themselves. And the more you rely on yourself, the greater you fall. The greater the failure, the greater the disappointment. And so Paul learned his lesson. For when I weak, he says, then I am strong. In other words, when I come to the end of myself through weakness, that is when I enter Christ's strength, which enables me to do all things, even to the point of taking pleasure and rejoicing in hardships and insults. Didn't Jesus say, rejoice when they speak evil of you, rejoice when they persecute you? Didn't James say, my brothers, when you fall into diverse tests and trials, count it all joy? <laughs> you cannot do this except by the grace of God. The flesh will not rejoice in difficult times. The flesh wants to complain and grumble like the Israelites did and mourn, complain about everybody and everything and everything that is wrong, that is going wrong in your life. But when you learn this lesson that Paul was talking about, you will begin to receive the grace of God and rejoice in the midst of pain, in the midst of persecution, in the midst of insults, and glorify the name of the Lord. And as you begin to worship and praise, God elevates you above the thorn, above the trouble, above the cloud, above the test. And you're able to bear it according to his word. Now, in conclusion, I have three minutes left. To this part of our study, I would like to say the following. The maturing process separates the many from the few. Many are called, 
but few are chosen. The children of Israel spent 40 years in the desert. Only two of them emerged from it. Not even Moses. Joshua and Caleb. They came out of the desert stronger than they were when they went in in order to take on the giants and receive their inheritance. Joseph came out of prison ready to take on the challenges of Egypt would face. And Jesus came out of his desert experience in the power of the Spirit, the Bible says. Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit. When he went into the wilderness, he was filled with the Spirit. When he came out of the wilderness, he came in the power. There's a difference in the power of the Spirit. That is why the miracles, the dead being raised, the sick being healed, the multitudes being fed. It is interesting to note that it was the Holy Spirit who led him in the desert in the first place. And so the tests and trials we face as we conclude this teaching on the process, the pressures along the way, the challenges we face in our journey is to prove our faith, strengthen our character, and stretch our endurance. They are placed in our lives to grow us, to develop us, to strengthen us, and ultimately strip us from our pride and self-confidence. Joseph made a statement to his brothers that gives us insight into how God is able to work all things for our good, that is, for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. And that's the statement he made. Genesis 50, verse 20. He's talking to his brothers now. But as for you, you meant evil against me. But God meant it for good in order to bring it about as it is this day to save many people alive. If we continue to trust in the Lord, even those things which the devil sends your way in order to destroy you, to humiliate you, to cause you to fail, God is able to turn them right around for your good and for his glory. Isn't that wonderful? So don't lose your trust in the test, in the furnace, in the trial. Don't lose your faith. The Bible says, don't lose your confidence. Cast not away your confidence. Hebrews 10, 35. For it will have great recompense of reward. Amen? So let us stand and thank God. Whatever you're facing right now, God says, no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful. Faithful, not to allow you to be tested or tempted above what you're able to be. Can we stand and give thanks to God who is faithful in all of His ways and good to us? One of my prayers in the coming year is, Lord, show me your glory. And the Bible says the glory of God is the manifestation of all of His goodness. So when I prayed that prayer, I heard the Spirit say to me, Son, how much of my glory can you handle? I couldn't answer it. I said, Lord, you know. You're the only one who knows us. Amen. 
We hope that you've enjoyed this message. For additional resources and more information, come and visit us at alphaomega.org.za.